God, I thank you for today. And I thank you for the ability for us to connect uh, through technology like this. And as we were talking just a minute ago, we have a lot of people in different service positions who listen to this, this content or engage in these communities and God, uh, they, they need what I think we're going to talk about. And uh, you are a God that declares the end from the beginning. And we're certainly uh, anticipating those who will listen to this, uh, wherever they're at, in any walk of life, will hear something that would be good for their soul, that would remind them of how faithful and good you are, that, of your mercy. And God, I thank you for Brad. I thank you for the ministry that he's a part of and, and the fact that we get to connect like this. And we pray yes. um, for those that will hear it, those that will engage in it, whether they're watching or whatever they are, uh, perhaps they might share this with someone who needs to hear it. And um, we want people to know there is hope and there is there's hope beyond the right now. And uh, there are people fighting to help people um, to understand this, to know this. And uh, yes. above all, we pray that we get to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, men, at this time, I want to welcome Brad Hafes to the podcast. Brad, thank you for giving some time today and being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here today. Well, one of the perks of getting to do this before we hit record is I get to know you and you get to know me a little bit and have some conversation, but uh, would sure. you just take a moment, introduce yourself and, and, and what, what, what lights your fire that, that got us here right now? Yeah. Um, well, my, as you said, my name's Brad. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 38 years now, 38 or 39 years. And, uh, Many years ago, I was pastoring the fastest, the 13th fastest growing Protestant church in North America. I crashed and burned major big time, not knowing that I had bipolar disorder. And uh, through that was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And uh, then seven years later, I relapsed, uh, got some medicine goofed up. And um, so seven years later, then I went through all of it again, was hospitalized. And then I realized I've got to learn about this disorder. I, I need to figure out in spite of having a mental health issue, I got to figure out how to live and live well, you know? And um, at that point, I, uh, later on, I started a support group that I wanted to attend. My doctor, I think, got tired of me complaining because I went to some support groups that were not helpful. And I kept complaining about them. I'm a good Lutheran German. And we, we complain and complain and complain. <laughs> so anyway, um, now through all of it, uh, my wife and I have stayed married. We've been married 43 years this Thursday. And um, we've got two adult kids and grandchildren and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, but what happened is when I started that one group a number of years ago, uh, about 15 years ago now, there were a lot of other people that were looking for the same sort of thing. Because uh, if anybody knows anything about fresh or uh, about groups out there, you know, mental health groups, what happens is people go and they come, they vent. And it's okay to vent, it's necessary to vent. But if that's all you do, you're gonna get sicker. And um, so the reality for me was I needed hope and I needed my faith to be part of it. I needed the Lord to be part of it. And so um, it ended up that I started this group 
And we went from one group to two groups within a short amount of time because people in other cities were looking for the same thing. Um, so Fresh Hope is what I started. It um, began as just a group and we have over a hundred groups in like 14 different countries uh, along with the United States. And um, it's been translated now into Spanish and it's being translated into French and Japanese and Chinese and soon to be um, one of the dialects in India. And um, what, what it is, is it's Christian-based support group, a Christian-based support group for people who have a mental health diagnosis and for those who love them. And then we grew beyond that. Um, now we also have what's called hope coaching. So we, we teach hope coaches um, and uh, then they can coach other people through just difficult circumstances. It doesn't have to be people who have a mental health diagnosis per se, um, but um, there's actually, there's 25 years of research on hope itself and um, clinical research. And what I have done is studied that, taken, I met one of the guys who did 14 years of the 25 years of research. And I implemented that into, uh, and I infused it with faith. So when you infuse the clinical research on hope with faith, you get a sure and certain hope. You know, I'm from Nebraska. We always hope that the, that the, Big Red would finally get back to the glory days. You know, we have hope every year. Every time we get a new coach, we have hope. But that hope is just wishful thinking. Um, the kind of hope that we offer through Fresh Hope is sure and certain. It's like, okay, we know, we know the outcome. We know how this is going to work. And um, so anyway, uh, we also have uh, groups for teens we have, um, uh, we're starting a thing called Fresh Hope for Pastors, as well as we are, uh, also we offer trauma healing groups. And uh, if anybody, for instance, you said many of your listeners are in the line of service, you know, to our country, as well as police and others who are first responders, we really offer uh, trauma healing for those kinds of things. And uh, finally, first pastors are first responders and have a lot of wounds and trauma from ministry. And so we are next week in St. Louis introducing a uh, retreat kind of setting and an intensive for pastors and their spouses called Healing the Heart Wounds of Ministry. So I think that's pretty much all of it. <laughs> There's so much I want to get into, especially the college football, but we won't. Um, <laughs> I wrote that, you know, I wrote that, you know, you're married 43 years, which is impressive. Congratulations on that. But being a pastor for 39 years to me, as a guy who's probably done it for 20, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. I think well done. Uh, you know, one of the things like the last couple of years have been pretty choppy for everybody. Uh, as far as, you know, you had uh, racial tensions, you have uh, COVID, you, then you have the vaccination tension, you have the political tension, you have, yep. you know, whether there's food at the grocery store, there's gas prices. I mean, it's just constantly something mm -hmm. um, as a pastor, 
I'm going to take this opportunity to say, okay, so how do you start to minister to pastors who I gotta be honest, I know some personally who are either running on empty or have stepped out of ministry or their church doesn't know yet their pastor's fixing on stepping out of ministry. How, how do you get to them? Because in that position, we don't trust anybody because we don't know what you're going to oh, do with our dirty laundry. Exactly. Exactly. And in fact, that's one of the reasons that pastors suffer so much uh, and they are not uh, uh, able to really fully process what happens to them in ministry and resiliency goes down farther and farther and farther, you know, to the point where you don't have any anymore. And um, so, yes, we think we've developed a process that will provide pastors safety in coming together. And uh, we don't, we don't, foresee this being something we just keep to ourselves. We want to get the word out as much as possible. It's all based upon the trauma healing that the Bible, uh, the American Bible Society has underneath it. It has uh, a, a ministry called, um, oh gosh, the Trauma Institute of America, I believe it's called. And uh, we have a whole bunch of people who are trained facilitators and master facilitators in that. And we really learned a lot from that. So we're using some of that knowledge that we've gained in creating this healing the heart wounds of ministry. 50% or 48% of pastors, according to George Barna, want to quit today. That's, that's incredible. Uh, we know that depression rates um, run higher in clergy than any other group. Um, clergy is, uh, pastoring is one of the top most stressful jobs that one can have. And uh, so, yes, we know that pastors don't want to air their dirty laundry. They don't want other people to know their struggles because it could be used against them. And so, uh, what we are, are doing is this, this workshop will be presented in such a way that it won't be with people, you know, and confidentiality will be key. And then there will be groups that pastors can join after that, where they can really talk honestly and openly about how, ugh, you know, um, because the tools that we will give them will be tools for processing their pain and what happens in ministry and the rejection and the, you know, just the difficulties. Plus the spouses will be doing the same thing in a separate group at the same time, talking about how ministry effect has affected their families. And then there will be a time where everybody comes together. Um, we're going to do the first one. We think the we think the process that we're going to take them through is fantastic because we're not going to teach principles. We're actually going to do them, but they're things that they could continue to use throughout the rest of their days in ministry. So um, yeah, you're right on, Jared. That uh, it's uh, guys and and gals. I I'm sure don't talk easily, and plus. For those of us who are male pastors, you know, males don't address very much, very easily address emotional issues with one another anyway, much less, you know, pastors. 
Well, I, you hit on something I think is, is so essential, and that's the pastor's spouse, the pastor's wife. Uh, nobody really grasps what it's like to be her. Um, and, and, you know, listen, I'm not, this is not about being martyrdom or oh, look how bad, you know, it's just yeah. different. You can't explain it. I've, I've said the only thing closest I can get to is if I went to your house and I said, here's all the tools to build a box and here's whatever. And I came back seven days later or 21 days later for some of you guys or the next holiday and the box looked exactly the same. And you're like, what are, what are we doing? We're just wasting our time entertaining people. And they, you know, they'll find a new church with better coffee or a, a bounce house or, you know, whatever. Uh, give, give some insight. We have a lot of people that listen to this podcast who do attend church, who do serve in church in different capacities. Mm -hmm. What are some of the tensions that a pastor might face that maybe they, they don't know about that would start to mentally wear them down? Well, first of all, there's many times where people just generally have a problem with authority figures. And so they take it, the, the pastor becomes the whipping post for those folks. Um, secondly, there's a lot of people who are not emotionally very well, and they end up causing a lot of havoc for the pastor. Um, then there's always the, I don't like this, and the pastor does this, he doesn't do that. It, quite honestly, I, one time I kind of tried to assess how, how much of my week was taken up by uh, negative things, you know, just hurtful, negative. Um, also, then even the counseling that you're doing is usually getting into the really messy parts of people's lives, et cetera, et cetera. And I would have to say that 85% of my week has always been junk that you just are really hurtful. And I, I had a business guy tell me years ago when I was pastoring the the large church early on in my career, he said, uh, you know, hey, pastor, what you need to do is learn to use uh, business tools and blah, 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 and treat it more like that, blah, blah, blah. Well, later, he came on to the staff as the business manager. And he told me, this is by far more complex and more difficult to deal with than anything I've ever seen in the business field. Um, it just is because you're dealing with people's salvation, you're dealing with their, their spiritual health, but you're also having to deal with their emotional health. And many times people just don't have a lot of emotional regulation. Uh, you know, we know that one quarter almost of the population has a mental health diagnosable mental health issue. And so, you know, there's just all this stuff. And it just is like somebody throws manure at a fan every week and they turn on the fan on high and you're just kind of dodging as much of it as you possibly can. That's probably the best word picture I can give to you. Manure and a fan. Yep. That's exactly. No, I'm, and I, uh, I'm, I'm, as you're talking, I'm looking at a calendar and stuff. I told you in the beginning, you know, there'll be a number of weeks when this thing's posted, but I feel like this needs to be posted in October. October is clergy appreciation month. It's weird. Nobody knows what to do with it. Some churches do a great job. Uh, I remember last year, last two years, like we, we got nothing, not even a thank you, whatever. I'm like, y'all don't even realize like the emails and the text messages and the DMs over COVID and whether we're going to meet and not meet and how distance and you don't wear a mask and you're mad at the emoji. And you're like, you know what? 
I'm going to Chick-fil-A. At least I know I got Sundays off. I get a good meal out of it, you know, uh-huh. because the, the like, what are we doing? And then there's, you know, some churches are, are, are starting to bend on this or do this or that. And, and I preached a sermon once and somebody told one of our elders, if I went down the road, I'd get a completely different sermon on whatever the hot button topic was that day. And I said, then, then, you know, hit the bricks, right? Like it, it is a moving target. You know, the goal is to get people to Jesus. Some people don't want to get to Jesus or some right. people are convinced that he's all, they're already there. And you're like, you're not even close. Yeah. So your counseling though, is to say, listen, we know, we know, we don't want to sit around and just bicker and, and be great. You know, let's get towards health. Let's move to, and one of the things you do yeah. that I think is important is you do this peer to peer thing. So when you have to look someone in the eyeballs, it gets a little more real. Do you really want to move towards health or do you just want to complain? What does peer-to-peer start to change in an individual? Well, the interesting thing is, is in the mental health field, for instance, it's always been clinicians. It's been the therapists and the doctors. And even in the church, we think, okay, we need to recommend this person to a counselor, whatever. The reality is the research shows that when peers help peers, it is effective. It is as effective, if not more so, when peer-to-peer takes place helping one another when there's a mental health issue versus going to a therapist. That's a biggie. And the Christian church has got to understand that we have all these people that have made it through depression, have made it through anxiety. They, they, they've dealt with many of these issues and we can help one another. Now, I will say this, not everybody has a technically uh, mental illness, okay? Not everybody, and by the way, depression and anxiety is a mental illness. I mean, it's, it's all part of the behavioral health sciences. But uh, what we need to realize is, uh, in, in the Christian community is everybody's got emotional issues everybody. And I always tell people, I have the spiritual gift of triggering people. If you think you don't have any issues, let me come and live with you for 24 hours. We will find them. I can assure you that within 24, maybe 36 hours, I will trigger you. And we'll figure out where the emotional issues are. And when you, when you, look, at, when you look at faith, and you look at emotional issues, you could have a really good, strong faith. But if your emotional EQ is very low, and your emotional self is is not healthy, you're going to get toxic religion. And there's a lot of people who have what I would call toxic Christianity. They're beating people up with, you know, the good news. At the same time, they're doing all kinds of dysfunctional, sick behaviors in their lives. You know, and nobody wants, well, I, nobody wants that version of Christianity, but for those individuals, I don't think they care if someone else gets Christianity. It's kind of like you got rescued on the, uh, the coast guard came and got you and you're like, good luck to the rest of you, you know? And I, I, and that's, that's one of the challenges we face just living out our Christian faith. Some people are really bad brand ambassadors. They're just really Mm -hmm. bad at representing Christ. And I, I don't have it figured out. I'm just trying to follow Jesus a little bit better every day. He increases, yep. I decrease. Sometimes I'm increasing and God makes sure he reminds me that we're to decrease. Uh, one of the phrases you use, and I want you to, to, we'll begin to wrap up this portion of the podcast with this, is use the phrase learned helplessness. 
What is it? And how do we try to avoid this in ourselves individually? Yes. Well, we live in a society where um, lots of people don't want to take responsibility for themselves. And um, so we, you know, not just culturally, but um, for those who have mental health issues, there's, there's this, I got to depend on the therapist, I got to depend on the doctor, I got to depend on this, and I can't do this, I need all this help. That's learned helplessness. When in reality, those are just tools to be used. And by George, you got to take your recovery by, by the neck, so to speak, and own it. It's your recovery, whether it's from alcoholism or PTSD or trauma or just plain old life, you know, it's a matter of saying, okay, how do I take the tools and how do I live daily and apply all of this? You know, how do I just really um, begin to become who I'm supposed to be? And, and learning to live well in spite of having a mental health issue or emotional issues or spiritual issues or just life issues means that we have to own that. We have to, we have to, it's not, I'm not helpless. In fact, the Lord gives me the um, strength to overcome all things. It doesn't mean it's like flipping a switch, you know, you got to work through it. Well, one of the things we talk about often here is First Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12, aspire to live a quiet life, mind your own affairs, work with your hands, be dependent upon nobody, you know, and, and people, some people push back at that, even though it's scripture. I'm not, it's not that I don't need relationships. I do need relationships. I'm not sitting around waiting for someone to come and coddle me emotionally, provide for me financially, give me the resources necessary. I, I'm going to do some things that I need to do for those that are we're trying, man. That's all we can say is we're trying. How do we then, uh, and we will, we'll wrap up with this. I'm sorry. How do we then show more grace to those knowing that everybody's got some emotional stuff. Everybody's got some things that they're carrying. How can we be more grace filled while also taking responsibility for ourselves? Well, this kind of opens up a, a, a different can of worms, but I think what we have is a lot of shame based grace in the Christian church. And one of the things in order to respond well to other people who are just as messed up as we are, we got to realize, we got to start at the point, we are all broken. No one will be fixed completely until they breathe their last breath. And um, when people react to you, they're really, it's more about, their reaction is more about them than it is you. And to not take things personally, not get offended, and, and just love people and give them grace, give them mercy, um, treat them like you want to be treated. And even if they goof up, you don't have to beat them up with it. You know, you don't have to shame them to death and um, to really just be patient with each other. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... so. Serious question. Um, how's Nebraska going to do this year in the big 40 conference? Boy, I think if they don't do well now, uh, Scott Frost will be replaced, even though we all think, you know, know. We, know. We, we want it to work. I, you know, and I'm kind of a fair weathered friend. Okay. I, 
I kind of, I just cringe when they lose and I just don't like to watch the games where they lose. So sometimes I switch the channel and then I'm surprised to find we won. I missed it. And then I have to watch it again, you know, but um, yeah, well, I hope. You missed a lot of games in recent years. Then you have, you talk about grace. Scott Frost is the recipient of a ton of grace because of who he is. Yeah. He can get it turned around. They'll build a statue of him. If not, (laughs) I know, I know. And we want him to be Tom Osborne really bad. We do. We do. Yeah. And I've met Tom Osborne. I've been around him and what a man of deep character and just, you know, talk about, uh, uh, a manly man, you know, guys tuning in later, like what just happened? So Brad, Hey, <laughs> man, I appreciate you coming on having this conversation. Where can we find you and what you're doing? Yes. Uh, freshhope.us. It's real simple. Freshhope.us. And um, if you're a pastor, we'd love to hear from you and you can find out about healing the heart wounds and where we'll be going and how we'll be training facilitators for that by emailing jason at freshhope.us. And if you're checking out the podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're at, these links will be in the show notes. You can just drop down, click on them. It'll take you exactly where you need to be. Brad, thank you for making some time today. I appreciate it. I love your heart. I love the ministry. And uh, thank you. But uh, you guys in the herd, we'll continue that conversation over there. Thank you, men, for listening to or watching the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. If you're looking for any of the links mentioned in today's podcast episode, make sure you check out the show notes. You will find them there. If you will, leave a five-star review on iTunes. That just continues to help get the word out about the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Men, if you are in the herd, we are going to continue our conversation over there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness. 